0: I have a material witness on an aggravated battery uh, with a hang Supreme Court of the state in, of Arizona in April of 1965, after this court's decision in Escobedo affirmed. Thank you, gentlemen, the case is submitted to your rear arguments next year in uh, Batson against Kentucky. Welcome to Bears, the Bar, and Beyond, the Baylor Pre-Law Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Cooper, and... Uh, In episode one, we'll be exploring advice specific to sophomores and freshman students. In episode two, we'll be doing the same but for juniors and seniors. And from there on out, we will be interviewing uh, judicial clerks, law students and practicing lawyers from a variety of practicing areas so that you can get a sense of what the day-to-day life uh, of lawyers in in these different practice areas is like. If you have areas of law that you'd like us to cover, or specific questions you'd like us to ask, please send them directly to prelaw at baylor.edu. So welcome to our freshmen. Um, I have no doubt that this has been uh, a whirlwind for these first few weeks as you've gotten settled into the new expectations of college life, new living situation, uh, a lot of freedom that perhaps you didn't have before, and an increased level of, of expectation in the classroom. Uh, I hope that the, the, the content of this podcast will help you adjust, but also help you uh, plan uh, to make the most of this year. I think my, my primary piece of advice for our freshman students is simply to take their time and to be patient. I think the temptation is to overcommit very early, to get too involved in too many student organisations and often to take on too many hours In that first semester, allow yourself the freedom to get settled, to find uh, your rhythm. And then, you know, we have four years uh, to get to get settled and and to load up on our courses as we need to down the road. But don't do so this semester. Take the time to find your social network, um, people that you can have a meal with, people that want you to make good decisions and and what's best for you. Take the time to get to know your professors. Um, it will maximize your experience of learning here at Baylor, but it's also going to lead to meaningful relationships that can also lead to um, really helpful letters of recommendation, recommendation down the road. Get involved. Um, balance is obviously key, but I would encourage you to find some student organizations to, to try out, to sample, so that uh, you can figure out what it is you want to invest your time and effort in in your sophomore and junior years. Make, make the most of the resources that uh, are available here at Baylor. There are a ton uh, from academic support programs, student success initiatives, things like uh, first-generation student, uh, first student programs, transfer student programs, uh, Baylor summer uh, tutoring, supplemental instruction, career and professional development they're all here and they're all here to help you make the most of your time here at Baylor. And they can all be found in the Sid Rich Success Center. So I would encourage you as a, as a priority to get familiar with what is here in terms of resources and to, to connect with those fairly quickly. I think it's important for us to establish what exactly the pre-law program is. Uh, it seems to be... Uh, that there is some confusion about what it actually is—is is it, is it a major? Is it a series of courses? Do I do I have to be political science? They're all questions that come up on a fairly frequent basis. So, the first thing we need to do is establish some terminology. The pre-law program is an academic designation. Okay, and really what that means is it's a tag that will follow you through your academic career here at Baylor. It doesn't require you to take specific courses, but it does mean that you have access to the resources that we have here, things like free practice LSATs every month of the semester, opportunities to meet with attorneys and law schools when they visit campus, uh, a heads up on internship and job opportunities, and access to our office, our pre-law office, so things like helping you prepare your actual personal statements and and documents for your law school application, helping you figure out where to apply, helping you navigate where where to accept So on and and, and so forth. So we're glad you're here. I think it's a wise step for you to have the designation. Um, And because there are no required courses, you have the freedom uh, to choose from a variety of academic disciplines. That is the track. Uh, Sorry, that is the the pre-law program, which, as I said, is a designation. It needs to be distinguished from a pre-law track, which exists in political science, uh, philosophy and in some narrow circumstances in economics. The tracks are really just uh, groups of courses that have been prepared within those majors to focus on content. You do not gain an advantage when it comes to getting into law school because you have studied those tracks. Now, we know that because the American Bar Association has told us that what law schools are looking for, apart from academic performance, is that you have developed key skills that are going to be useful in law school and and in the practice of law. So the focus is skills over content. There is no major that a pre-law student must study in order to be a competitive applicant for law school. You can go with virtually any major. The skills they're looking for are things like reading and writing and editing to a really high level of sophistication. They want to know that you've developed the skills to research well to work collaboratively with others, to think critically and analytically, to demonstrate some kind of background knowledge and interest in the law and an interest in justice. And you can develop those skills in virtually any major. So when it comes to choosing a major, choose a major that you're interested in and that you think you can do well on. Uh, I've noticed that there is um, a belief that a competitive law school applicant must be political science. Political science is a great major, and it's, it's a major that attracts a lot of aspiring lawyers because it naturally develops a lot of the skills that we just talked about. But you don't need to be political science to go to law school and to, to have a really competitive applicant. So if you choose political science, that's fantastic. But choose it because you're interested in it and you think you can do well on, on, on that major or in that major. If it turns out that you're really actually interested in history or philosophy or economics or French and you think you can do well in those majors, then they're all adequate in terms of preparing you for law school. The thing is that you do well and that you develop those skills that we talked about. Academic performance. We've touched on that, uh, but I think it's time that we address it, just generally speaking, for freshmen. Now, there's going to be a lot going on. Uh, It's not uncommon for there to be an adjustment from the grades that perhaps you're used to in high school. Uh, Law schools understand that. If things don't go so well this year, then we have time to turn that around from sophomore year onwards. Ideally, uh, it's much better to get a great GPA and protect it and maintain it than it is to play catch-up. But I also want you to know that uh, there uh, there is wiggle room. And so, take this first semester to get settled. Don't overcommit in terms of credit hours. Get to know your professors. Take advantage of the resources, and get engaged with the with the program. So, come to events. Listen to the podcast. Uh, get to know your fellow students. And a great way for you to do that is to get involved in some student organizations. Things like the Pre Law Society uh, or Baylor Mock Trial. Great organizations. Student run. Worth your time. Now. If you're interested in courtroom law, if you are interested in doing either criminal, criminal court work or litigation, Baylor Mock Trial is a great organization for you to consider joining. However, Pre-Law Society, if you're a pre-law student, I would urge you to get involved and to join this organization for the simple reason that they make available to you a ton of resources in terms of visiting attorneys and law students. Uh, sorry, and, and law schools but you also get the opportunity to engage with other pre-law students. We are spread out across a number of academic disciplines all across the university, and it's not uncommon for folks to be uh, one of only a few, if the only one, uh, that's in the pre-law program in some of their courses. So the Pre-Law Society is a great way for you to find a community of uh, commonly interested students. The other thing is you need to start building a resume, and freshman year is not too soon to be doing that. So I would encourage all of you to create uh, some kind of achievement log so that every time you do something, every time you're involved in an activity or an organization, that you make a note of that with details so that when we do go to do a resume for you, whether that's for a job or uh, to apply to grad school or law school, we have everything that you've done. And then it's a simple task of just choosing the best stuff. Performance in the classroom. Managing our new living situation, getting settled and of course finding some student organisations is is really what we want to be emphasising in this next year. There are no required courses. As I said, there's no major. We're looking at skills over content and there are no courses that you are required to take. That being said, there are some courses that we would recommend you consider uh, and, and certainly encourage you to take. They are philosophy 1306 and 1307 they are essentially logic courses and they form uh, the foundation of your LSAT preparation we would encourage you to get those done and completed by the end of sophomore year and the simple reason is uh, by doing them early you have time and time is important because if you do well then you have additional time to study for the LSAT and to prepare for it If you take those courses, and it doesn't go as you had hoped. If you didn't perform quite to the level that you had hoped or expected, you have the luxury of time. You can take that additional time that you'll have to do some remedial study, so that when you do begin your LSAT preparation, you're not having to learn foundational principles at the same time. Now to sophomore students. In many ways, uh, the advice for you is essentially a doubling down on the advice to freshmen. If freshman year wasn't great academically, it is not too late. Uh, we can absolutely turn the boat around, and we can establish an upward trend, which is what we need uh, in terms of academics. So please don't, please don't uh, give up or feel uh, discouraged if that first year didn't go as well as planned, or or maybe you did well but not as well as you'd hoped. Um, there is plenty of opportunities for us to turn turn that into a sustained upward trend that will help um, convince law schools and good ones that you are performing at a really high level. So we want to do well in the classroom. We want to continue to develop those professional skills, things like managing our time. Um, Make use of the resources here at Baylor. So if time management is an issue, come along to the Sidridge Success Centre and take advantage of the folks here that we have to help you with that. If you haven't got a mentor at this point, I would encourage you, uh, to get involved with the Baylor Mentor Network. Uh, find someone who is willing to, in- they, I mean, they have these people here who are willing and, and able to invest in you to help you make decisions and to help guide you as you develop yourself professionally and academically. Uh, not taking advantage of this is to miss out on an opportunity. Doing on the classroom, finding a mentor. Getting engaged in some student organizations is also something we want you to to begin to invest a little bit more time in. So as a freshman, you're trying different things, you're joining a bunch of different organizations, some of which may be of real interest, others, once you've been to a few meetings, may prove to be of no interest to you whatsoever. And as a freshman, that's fine. As a sophomore, we want you to start narrowing that list to start getting more involved in certain organizations and investing more time and effort because... Ultimately, we want you in leadership positions um, so that you can get that experience, but it also helps you build your resume. It's very difficult to get in a leadership position if you haven't been uh, involved in that student organization in a meaningful way before your junior or senior year. So sophomores, we want you to get a bit more engaged, a bit more involved in fewer organizations, but with a deeper commitment. And just generally speaking, apart from the advice that we've just talked about specific to both freshmen and sophomores, the ultimate thing we want to be helping you do is explore whether you want to go into the legal profession. And to do that, we, we need to help get you to a point where you have a reasonable understanding of what it's actually like to be a lawyer and what you can expect uh, in law school and in the practice of law. And that involves us asking things like, will you enjoy actually studying the law? Do you like to read and write? Uh, do you like research? Because you're going to be doing a lot of it as a law student, and it's, it's a huge component of the practice of law, is reading cases and reading statutes and interpreting them and finding the, the thread of meaning or argument that runs through them. Will you enjoy the practice of law is also another question. Now, it's, it's not imperative that you know exactly what kind of law you want to practice. Um, it's also not, it's not uncommon for you to go to law school thinking you want to do one kind of law and then graduating and ending up quite happily in, in another area. But what we do want you to have is a reasonable picture or a representation of what practicing law is really like. And the key to answering that question is really dependent on you doing what we call informational interviews. Now the key to that is good questions. So when we do informational interviews, we don't talk to family and we don't talk to friends. And it's not because they don't know what they're talking about. It's because we want to talk to people who have no investment in whether we go to law school or not. Because they're the folks who are going to give us honest, objective feedback. So once we exclude people we know um, or friends of family, we begin to talk to lawyers across the country in a whole bunch of different practice areas. How do we find these people? Well, there's a number of ways you can do that and there are a ton of these online legal directories that you can search uh, for free just through through the internet and you can search for attorneys by practice area, by city, by state. Uh, One website, and I do mean one because there are a ton of them, is findlaw.com and again, you can search by city, state and practice area. My advice would be search by practice area. We're not terribly focused on geography, of attorneys for, for the purposes of these interviews and choose an area. Pick a firm, go to their website, look at the profiles, pick an attorney. We're going to do 10 to 15 minutes of solid research so that we are, when we do interview them, we are asking them questions that we can't find the answer to on the website. If we're asking questions that the answers can be found to, sorry, the answer to those questions can be found on the website, we're wasting their time and we don't want to do that. So we want to do those that little bit of research, identify and and find out who we're talking to. The other thing we need to do before this phone call is to come up with some good questions, questions that you want answered about the practice of law. And they should be questions like, what do you enjoy? Can you tell me about a recent case that was professionally satisfying and rewarding? But you also need to include things like, how many hours a week do you work? Are there things that you find frustrating about your job? Knowing what you now know Would you do it all again? And we need to ask everybody the same questions. And the idea of doing that is you're going to take detailed notes. And then after you've done 5, 10, 20, 30 of these interviews, because I really do think this is something you need to be doing throughout the life of your college career on a fairly regular basis. And once you've done a few, you'll realize that it's actually a lot easier than it sounds. But once you've done a number of these interviews, you can go back through your notes. And you can identify the people who like what they do, and you will meet them, and you can find out what motivates them. What are the common motivating factors that run through those interviews, and are those things that are likely to motivate you? And the lawyers who maybe are a bit blasé about their profession, or those who really just seem very unhappy, what are the common denominators, and are those common denominators likely to affect you? And we want to do these interviews over and over and over and over and over again. The easiest way for you to do them is, once you've done those questions, you've got them settled. Once you've done the research, is to pick up the phone and call them. Now, I would encourage you not to call attorneys in the place that you live or spend your summers, at least initially. And the simple reason is, we have students who do this exercise, and at the end of the conversation, the lawyer says, hey, what are you doing this summer? We we need a clerk. Would you be interested in coming to work for us? It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens often enough. Now, those first few interviews are going to be a little clunky, a little clumsy. So let's not do those first few in places where we might potentially have an opportunity to get a connection and an internship. Let's, If, if you live in Dallas, call someone in Seattle or Miami. If you live in New York, call someone in Dallas. Um, you know, Get comfortable and do these over and over and over and again, and you just, you just don't know where they're going to go and what they'll lead to. When you've done the research and you've got your questions, pick up the phone, one of three things will happen. You'll get the secretary, you'll get voicemail, or you'll get the individual. It's unlikely you'll get the individual. Most most often you're going to get voicemail or secretary, and you just leave a message. I'm a pre-law student at Baylor. I am interested in a career in the law, and I would love to speak to um, Mr. X, Ms. X, about their career in the law for 15 to 20 minutes at a time that suits them. And you'll find that most of them are willing to have real meaningful conversations with you. Now, they're busy people. They may not come back to you that day. They may not come back to you that week. But most of them will come back to you. And there are over a million attorneys in America. So if the first five don't turn into conversations, don't give up. Um, There will be folks who are willing to talk to you. And you, you can't do this too much. It really helps you form this idea of what it's actually like to practice law, and then you can pursue your legal education with some confidence that that is really what you want to do. A quick note I've had some emails about withdrawals and and dropping courses. Uh, There is some really helpful guidance on this on the pre law website, but I guess in general, really what it boils down to is how many have you dropped it before? And why are you thinking about dropping those courses? If you have already dropped one or two courses, then we really need to think very carefully before we drop any more. There are, some, there are some legitimate reasons to drop a course, and I understand that. But if it's simply, I don't like the professor, or I don't like this course, then we need to have a conversation about whether we need to push through this and, and do well as an exercise in developing some discipline and some perseverance. Because law schools will see those withdrawals. Uh, and if there's too many of them, they can raise the question of, well, how, how do you handle things when they get difficult? Because they're going to get difficult in law school, and they want to know that you're going to be able to stick at it. So think carefully about that. If you haven't had any before, think about whether you really want to use one now. Is this a is there a good reason for dropping that course? If you've got specific questions about whether or not you should drop a course, feel free to reach out to us, as I said, at dot edu. I hope this has been helpful. Um, freshmen and sophomores, if you want a, uh, more detailed uh, personalized conversations, we can absolutely have those. We have group advising on Tuesday mornings from 9 to 11. They're walk-ins, no appointment is necessary, and we meet in groups of no more than eight students at a time. And we can talk about some more specific questions that you might have in regard to your own situation. Please join us for the rest of the semester. We're going to have some really interesting interviews coming up. We've got some uh, judicial clerks, one who's on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeal, one who is a, a Baylor grad who is a judicial clerk on the Supreme Court. Uh, we've got interviews with a corporate lawyer from New York, an FBI agent, and lots more of interesting interviews. So stick with us, take the time to listen to the podcast, and uh, welcome to Baylor pre